Good evening. You have just clicked on episode eight of Sweepers and Reapers podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Angel. And we just had to re-record this intro because I said episode seven. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to episode eight. Angel so kindly informed me that I was wrong. And I was like, oh, yep, you are right. So what's up? I'm having a great night. What about you? Dude, I am also having a pretty okay night. I, uh, You said great and I said pretty okay. <laughs> um, me and Dylan walked our dogs and then I came home and set up my new pop filter thing on my mic. So now I can go pop, 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 pop. Uh, that's what I got it for exclusively. And now I'm here. So yeah. I'm excited to be here. We are working on getting on like a regular schedule. So just to like state it here, we're going to be uploading on Mondays and it's going to be a full length episode every single week. And we also record on Mondays. So we dropped the botched executions episode today. Hope you guys are liking that one. So tonight I am going to be talking about the case of Carl Tonsler. Um, how much do you know about this case, Rachel? I unfortunately know a medium amount about this case. I say unfortunately because it's a gruesome one. Yes, it's very unfortunate. And um, yeah, I would say sorry to our listeners, but I'm glad you clicked on us. So no, I hope if true crime is your niche, <laughs> then we are fulfilling something with this. Um, but yeah. Carl Tonsler was born February 8th, 1877 in Dresden, Germany. So if you're familiar with astrology, you would know that this makes Carl an Aquarius. Okay. <laughs> Two things. One, when you started saying that sentence, I was like, I thought you were going to go somewhere with geography. And I was going to be like, she doesn't know anything about geography. Where is this going? <laughs> Number two, hi, I'm Rachel. I am an Aquarius moon and rising, which means I might as well be an Aquarius sun because it's that prevalent in my personality. So it hurts me a little bit that this man is an Aquarius. I just love that you said she doesn't know anything about geography. And this is something I say regularly when I'm watching Jeopardy, which is something I do often. Um, I, I say that whenever I do finally make it onto Jeopardy, that's what I'm going to have to study up on before I, you know, have my debut episode. <laughs> and I've never said that to you. So it's so funny that you just are like, yeah, I know she. Yeah, no. Okay. I know you don't know where anything is. It's, it's, it's fine. It's a fact of life. So there aren't many details about his parents or any specifics about his upbringing, but he did have one sister, so obviously he wasn't an only child. And he was described as a curious child, but beyond that, there really is not anything super notable to mention about his childhood. Like, there isn't anything on record about whether he was abused, or if he was a troublemaker, or a bedwetter, or an animal abuser, or, like, any sort of thing that could make us think what happened could have been predicted, if you know what I'm saying. So, what you're saying is, he did not have any elements of the McDonald triad present yes. in his childhood. 
Thank you. When I was ty- <laughs> when I was typing up my notes, you're like sitting here and you can see me like sweating. Like I need to say it. <laughs> I was like, okay, Rachel knows knows it off the top of her head, and I just remember trying. Like I'm seeing a triangle in my head, which I had, <laughs> I guess. So I'm like, I'll let Rachel take that. That's fine. Like she can, you know. Yeah, cool. <laughs> that thing. Um. Yes, and so for those of you who don't know. Um, it was like determined, made up by this guy whose last name was McDonald. It's basically signs of early psychopathy, and the three elements of the triad are bedwetting, setting fires, and harm to animals. Thank you. No problem. So... There is one thing that is a little interesting about his childhood, which is that he reportedly had a very interesting dream where a dead ancestor revealed to him what his one true love looked like. Some reports say it was a dream and some say it was a vision or multiple dreams and multiple visions. I could not find much on what the actual dream entailed other than it being a dark-haired exotic beauty as he grew older he boasted an impressive resume and kept jobs such as being an engineer he built boats he traveled often he went to places like india and australia and italy he was a very well-traveled man and he was just living his life Uh, he was in australia when world war one broke out And because he was a German citizen, he was immediately put into a concentration camp until the war ended. After the war, he was sent away to the Netherlands, where he got married to his wife, Doris Schaefer. Their marriage wasn't the happiest due to Carl's frequent travels. And they had two daughters together, one named Aisha and one named Clarista. I didn't know he was in a concentration camp. I think that's one of the things I didn't know about him. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Weird. Yeah. So his daughters both died of the same, um, it's not a disease, I guess, a virus. Uh, pronunciation on this is a little funky. Uh, diphtheria? Diphtheria? Diphtheria, I think it is. Yeah, cool. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's an infection of the nose and throat where, in short, a thick gray matter forms and covers the back of the throat. <laughs> the gray stuff makes it incredibly hard to breathe, and it's a the pretty- gray stuff. It is not delicious in this scenario. You just did a Disney, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Um, It makes it incredibly hard to breathe, and it's pretty serious. It can spread through airborne exposure and by, you know, the swapping of saliva. If you're playing tonsil hockey, make sure you ask them if they have diphtheria before engaging. Yes. So in 1926, Carl packed up and sailed away to Cuba, where he immigrated to the U.S. soon after. His family then followed suit shortly after, where they all decided to settle down in Zephra Hills, Florida. No fucking shit. My uncle lives in Zephra Hills. Shout out Zephra Hills. Your bottled water is trash. 
Whoa, that's a really hot take. <laughs> Dude, no offense, but Zephyr Hills bottled water tastes like the tap water in Zephyr Hills. And that's a hot take. I mean, I like Central Florida tap water. I think it's Ugh. the best water one could possibly drink. So. so, like, here's my thing. I am not a water brat. Like, I drank tap water until I was, like, 17. Like, literally until my family got a refrigerator that had like the thing on it you know Mm -hmm. i drank tap water so the way i see it florida's taste so fucking bad (laughs) and it just it doesn't have to but it does it tastes like swamp water i'm not a fan if you came up here and had my tab water you would be like holy shit and then if i was like have this water from the fridge that's filtered you would your mind would just (laughs) okay i'll take your word for it (laughs) come up here and try my water um so within their first year living in zephyr hills carl decided to leave his family as you do yeah you know when you move to zephyr hills um he moved to key west where he changed his name to Carl Von Kossel, sometimes opting to go as Count Von Kossel. And he began his career as a radiological technician at a U.S. Marine hospital. Can I just say, what a fucking deadbeat. Like, ew. I mean, he got divorced, decided to change his name. Count. It sucks. It sucks. So it's a bold move, though. Count Carl von Kossel is living his life in Key West, working at this hospital, when on one unassuming day in April 1930, a girl and her mother walk into the hospital. The girl was Maria Elena Milagro de Hoyos, Hoyos a 21-year-old girl who was coming in to seek treatment as she was obviously sick, and she was soon diagnosed with tuberculosis. At the time, this disease was thought to be generally incurable, and once you were diagnosed with it, it was essentially a death sentence. Yeah, tuberculosis, like, be killing people back then. It's no joke. So, Elena was a Cuban-American girl with beautiful dark hair and was described as someone who was shy, but came across in a very appealing way. She came from a family of three sisters, including herself. Her father was a cigar maker, and her mother was a homemaker. Elena was married once at the age of 16, which was custom at the time for her culture, to a man named Louis Mesa. Her marriage, unfortunately, did not work out and ended in a very sad manner. She became pregnant with the couple's first child, and she had a miscarriage for unknown reasons, prompting Lewis to leave Elena and move away to Miami. Okay, so two deadbeats. Yeah, exactly. I was immediately going to say, speaking of deadbeats. Yeah, that's fucked up. Wow. I didn't know that part of the story either. So Carl immediately knew that this was the girl his ancestors had relayed to him in his dream slash visions. Ew, Carl, I hate you. She's standing right there in the flesh, and he is immediately obsessed because, duh, like, he's crazy and he thinks this is his one true love. So hear me out. What if he just had this really intense 
fetish fantasy for a Latina woman, right? Mm-hmm. In his uh, dreams, she was just incredibly, like, plain looking. Like, you know, like, no, like, discernible features, just mm-hmm. very, like, generic. Yeah. So then he sees one for, like, a young one up close for, like, the first time. And he's like, yo, it's her. But, like, and I, I don't know. I yeah, was just no, I, that as you talked. <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, it's just... Because I look to see if there was anything, like, can I get him telling me about the dream or the vision or whatever? And it just said dark-haired. I don't know, though. Just dark hair is pretty, like... What? Yeah, I just don't like the term exotic beauty. Like, I feel like it's a very... Uh, it's very you know. fetishizing, yeah. It sounds like it, at least. And, you know, everything he does... I don't know. <laughs> So Tonsler did not have much medical training, but he immediately took it upon himself to be excessively involved in her case. He showed up to where she lived at her parents' house with x-ray equipment to try to help further diagnose her and check in on her case. He would bring her different mixtures that he thought might help cure her. He essentially thought that he might be able to cure her, and he administered a variety of different treatments to her he started to bring her presents of varying value different things like clothes and jewelry and last but not least he would visit her and tell her all about his undying love for her elena did not reciprocate these feelings and despite this tonsler continued to profess his love for her during his frequent visits i remember this part of the story and i remember this whole time just thinking like how wild it is that back then he could just like insert himself into this situation and like obviously eventually i think it becomes known that he's a creepo but Mm -hmm. maybe at first it wasn't and he was able to like slide on in there and that's really scary and that's it that was my point (laughs) yeah i think it is really weird that her parents just maybe her parents were hoping he knew what he was doing like maybe he yeah was under the guise that he's going to actually cure her and that's why they let all of this happen right i feel like you know her condition could have been that bleak that they were like fuck it if he wants to try we'll let him try yeah But despite all of his efforts, Elena died on October 25th, 1931. So just about a little over a year after she first went into the hospital to get diagnosed with tuberculosis. That sucks. That is a big, like, like, because like you said, tuberculosis is usually fatal. Mm -hmm. So that's just a year long death Mm -hmm. for her, especially I would imagine that whatever he was doing to her probably did not make her more comfortable yeah so that sucks and it's sad to think about the idea that maybe she had hope because this like weird man is acting like he knows what he's doing you know you think about it back in those times it was so much easier to fake being a medical professional Mm -hmm. so and also i think there wasn't as much distrust of medical professionals I was watching a Dr. Mike video today. (laughs) Love Dr. Mike. Subscribe to him on YouTube. He's amazing. 
He mentioned like this distrust of medical professionals. That's kind of like a common phenomenon now in society. Mm -hmm. And that is what made me think like, oh, it was probably way more commonplace to just trust what someone who is a doctor says or who says they're a doctor says. Yeah. I'm also thinking about, you know, like the 30s, maybe that's kind of close to back in the day when they would try to treat stuff at home and it was like totally like a thing people did so yeah you think about the 30s like it's crazy to think about because it wasn't even 100 years ago but we are leaps and bounds ahead of Mm -hmm. where we were medically so so after she dies he is still desperately infatuated with her and so carl decides to pay for all of the funeral expenses even going out of his way to hire a mortician to embalm her. And so Yeah, you know, he's uh he's abandoned his kids at this point, so he's got that disposable income <laughs> where he can do that. And so I looked into this because I'm like, why is this like included that he paid for someone to embalm her? Like, isn't that normal, you know, protocol, whatever? And I found out, briefly looking into the history of embalming that state licensure for embalmers wasn't required until sometime during the 1930s. So what I'm assuming here- They could botch your embalming so bad. Not that it matters that much because you're dead, but what? So I'm assuming the idea here is that he wanted to find a suitable mortician who knew what they were doing so she could be properly embalmed. Oh my God. Do you think he did a mortician screening? I was, yeah. I would love to know. He's like, he's like interviewing the town, all the town's morticians. Like, show me, show me the dead bodies. Who have you embalmed recently? Um, I'm gonna need an application. I'm gonna need three references. I'm gonna need a short essay on why you think you deserve the job. <laughs> so he then decided to purchase an elaborate stone mausoleum for Elena in the Key West Cemetery. Her parents gave approval for all of this and then just kind of thought like, okay, we can put all of this behind us. And everyone else was sort of the same, just like, okay, that was really unusual behavior, but whatever. Presumably because Tonsler did not have any sort of criminal background or anything about him that would cause for concern. Unfortunately, they were all very, very wrong, and this was just the beginning for Carl's efforts of undying love for Elena. Carl was the only person who owned a key to her mausoleum, which, like, personally, I think is super weird. Why? And it makes me think, like, how the- what did he say to her parents to be like, this is the reason why I'm the only one who needs a key? Yeah, I I'm just- curious have like no no idea i i can't even speculate ideas because it's just like what okay he okay <laughs> and so he would use this key and visit her corpse frequently he made frequent visits for two entire years until locals started talking about it and rumors <laughs> <laughs> why do you chuckle at rumors because i thought you were gonna say something so i chuckled at me like i'm gonna stop so she can talk oh no sorry to disappoint Uh, it's okay i only talk when i'm not expected to (laughs) 
Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> Dude, I'm so funny. I'm just thinking about why did you chuckle at rumors? <laughs> okay. So rumors began to spread about what he was up to. And this is when the hospital he worked at decided to fire him. He was still just a, like a radiation tech. Yes. That's fucked. And he's pretending to be a doctor. Ew. Um, good. Makes sense. He needed I, to be fired. <laughs> I couldn't find any information on whether the rumors or what caused him to get fired, but I believe that's what happened. And I think that's such a strange concept of like, yeah, we heard you were hanging out at the cemetery a lot. Uh, you're fired. Do you wonder, though, like, maybe they did an investigation and, like, <laughs> had all the facts and they were like, he's hanging out at this mausoleum, he's the only one that's got a key, he didn't really know this girl, really, really weird, bye. So, uh, Tonsler reported that Elena's spirit would sing songs to him in Spanish, begging him to take her home and away from the mausoleum. So, in April of 1933... Tonsler decided to take her body from her tomb and wheel her away in a child's wagon. This is how he transported her body from the mausoleum back to his house. You said in a child's wagon? Yes. Is that is that not obvious? Like, that you got a body in your tomb? I'm uncomfortable. I don't like this. Ew. In my notes, I wrote in all caps, how, where was everyone? Because if you see him, like, I'm presuming these visits he's making over the course of two years, he's probably going at night. So someone is up at night to be like, oh, hey, Carl's at it again. No one is there to say, hey, Carl just wheeled this woman away in a wagon. I don't know. Apparently nobody was awake that night or he was just real sneaky. But I'm just thinking of the concept of like a whole like a 21 year old body in a, a kid's wagon. It's just, you know, it's clearly obvious what's happening. There's just so much to talk about. Like, I feel like we could spend the rest of the episode discussing why the fuck was this body in a kid's wagon? Yes. Um, and we'll eventually get there and you'll you're going to find this out in due time. But I just want to note that the body was not chopped up. It was a whole body that was thrown into this wagon. Right, right. As if she was like, still alive, going for a joyride. Yeah. <laughs> so he takes her back to his house. And this is where Tonsler starts to make efforts to preserve her body. Hate it. Hate it already. The embalmer didn't do a good enough job for you, Carl. First, he used wire to fortify her skeleton. Then he replaced her eyeballs with glass orbs. He made a mixture of plaster and waxed fabric, which he used to replace her skin, which was obviously now in a state of decay. He filled her body cavities with rags so that the corpse wouldn't just sink in as he wanted her corpse to retain a human form. He used the hair she had left to create a wig for her body. Some reports say that Elena's mother gave Tonsler a handful of her hair that she collected after her daughter's death, which I think is kind of weird. Like, this dude is obsessed with your kid, and you're like, here's a handful of her hair. But also, it was I the I think 30s. I would have kept it for myself. No. I guess if he's, like, under the guise of, oh, I'm helping your kid, and I also have a huge crush on her, like... Maybe it's a thank you for his efforts. I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty weird. 
he made various efforts to mask the smell of her rotting, decaying flesh. So he applied disinfectants to her corpse along with formaldehyde and he sprayed her with perfume. Was he having people over? I did not find that anywhere. I'm assuming. Like, was my guy having dinner parties? Like, and being like, okay, here's my wife. Like, <laughs> yikes. So he kept her body dressed using salvaged old clothing, but he also went out and purchased brand new outfits for the corpse. And he let the body stay in his bed, you know, the bed he slept in. And he slept with this body in his bed for seven years. So, first of all, the amount of depravity is just off the fucking charts. Like, yeah. Ah, seven years, geez. I, like, am trying to think of something that I did every day for seven years. And I'm drawing a blank. I know. I want you to know. I know a good uh, thing to sum up <laughs> seven years. That's the entirety you spent in middle school and high school. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That is, yeah, fuck. That's a minute. So he would spend whole days just hanging out with the dead body, and um, he liked to dance with it. <sighs> Isn't it heavy from all the rags you put in it, Carl? It is possible that he practiced necrophilia, authorities suspect it, and examinations on the corpse after it was found appear to confirm that that did take place. Yeah. Some reports- I mean, and these are like, not to be crude, but these are the olden days. So I like when I hear that, I am just like, what was he using? Because you know, it wasn't anything. I don't want to say the word fancy, but like, I mean, it's a dead body, right? So, like, mm-hmm. that's where all of the, like, grossness comes from. But then you think about, like, the actual physical, like, what is he using? I don't know. I don't want to know. But oh, but I have the life. answer to that question. And oh, that's fuck! What I was about You're going to tell, tell me about. anyway. <laughs> Some reports state that he had inserted a paper tube into her vagina. Ah! Uh! So I am assuming that this is so he could have penetrative vaginal sex with the corpse without making his penis have direct contact with the decaying corpse. So that's fucking gnarly. Um, I get it. She was like your soulmate or whatever. But ew, Carl. Ew. So rumors began to spread around the community when locals reportedly saw Carl dancing with a giant doll. Okay, you know, uh, on do you listen to Crime Junkie? I do not. Okay, well, on Crime Junkie, Britt always says, it's never a mannequin. It's never a doll. <laughs> never. I just, like, I want to know in what form these rumors, you know, took... Like, hey, Carl, creepy Carl, mausoleum Carl, he's dancing with a doll. <laughs> like, mausoleum Carl! <laughs> with him especially, it's like, when you put every piece of his story together, and there were smart people back then that could have mm-hmm. done it. When you put every piece of the story together, I feel like, I don't know, I'm not trying to say I would have figured it out, but... Mm. come on y'all you know he's weird 
at this point honestly i would probably have just contacted the police and been like hey you should go to mausoleum carl's house and you should ask him for the key and like get like whatever legal stuff you have to get and demand he give you the key go visit the mausoleum and you're gonna find nobody there and that's when like this is the end of- oh so you have a plan yes like <laughs> <laughs> this is me instead of sitting around you know I'm from the future. Call me Marty McFly. Yeah, so, like, whatever hobbies they had in the 1930s, I think they, like, played baseball, and um, the women would, like, can different vegetables and stuff. Um, What was it in the Carousel of Progress? What were they doing? (laughs) Um, They had electricity. It was the Depression. He was putting, he was lighting the house up too much, and he blew all the things, and she's like, gosh. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so they were doing that. While they're in the middle of doing that, instead of just, like, you know, gossiping about this dude, like, come up with a plan. It's not that hard. (laughs) Dude, I mean, you have all the knowledge, yeah. So, like, you can just present it to them. And speaking about knowledge, it's also at this time when reports also state that he was planning to build an airplane to fly away with Elena into the stratosphere so she could, quote, rejuvenate. So my first thought when you said the thing about rejuvenating in the stratosphere, <laughs> he sounds like a crystal motherfucker. Does he not? Yes, exactly. Like, the stratosphere, um, it has rejuvenating properties. So <laughs> we all knew a crystal kid. And I don't mean the like legit crystal people. <laughs> I mean like the crystal kids. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I just had a conversation with someone about crystal people the other day, and, like, I have no problem with crystal people. Matter of fact- Crystals are cool. Yes. I like them. Yes. Like, I get scared while driving, and I want to, like, I was looking into what crystal I could put on my rear view mirror as, like, a little cute little charm, but also- Aww, I like like, that. Yeah, like, safety in my car crystal. But beyond that, you know, I'm not a crystal kid. I think everybody knows what we mean when we say crystal kid, so. The crystal kids and the My Little Pony kids are, like, a Venn diagram in high school, you know? (laughs) Yeah. At least where I went. (laughs) Elena's family finally caught wind of the rumors that were swirling around town, prompting Elena's sister, Florinda, to take a visit to Carl Tonsler's house. Where How many years has it been, family? Yeah, I mean, I'm like, I'm like sitting here thinking, and you know, I don't really like to delve into these conversations too much because I feel like whenever I speculate about stuff like this, people immediately want to call me a victim blamer, but... It's been seven years. This dude has the key to the mausoleum. He's dancing with a doll. He's talking about taking your sister to the stratosphere. Like, it's a whole thing. And so props to Florinda for taking the initiative and just barging in this man's house. Oh, 100%. Because it needed to be done. Yes. So she discovers her sister's preserved... Her preserved. her preserved corpse. She immediately called the cops and Tonsler was arrested on the charges of gravesite desecration. Yeah, that's no joke. I'm pretty sure you can do time for that. Yep. Not a lot, but it's a thing. Time. So he was put under a psychiatric evaluation where it was found that he was, in fact, mentally competent to stand trial. And so, naturally, 
the whole town is intrigued by this. Like, clearly, they're talking about Mausoleum Carl all the time with his doll. I hate that you call him Mausoleum Carl, but I low-key also love it. So, they're all hype, and they're ready to hear what's going on. So, his court proceedings attracted very large crowds, and the case almost immediately became a media sensation. When interviewed in court, Carl Tonsler was not bothered by any of this or anything about this case. He was very matter-of-fact and unapologetic, so he just stood up there and professed his undying love for Elena, telling everyone about how hopelessly devoted he is to her. He also confirmed the airplane rumor was true, saying, quote, high into the stratosphere so that radiation from outer space could penetrate Elena's tissues and restore life to her somnolent form. Yeah, I mean, that sounds legit. Based on all my research, you know, on Mm -hmm. rejuvenating in the stratosphere, that lines up fully. So I'm not seeing anything wrong. Nope. And he said that, uh, like, at his trial. Like, that is ballsy, bro. That, that is an excuse, if I've heard one. Yeah. Like, he, when he says rejuvenate, does he mean reanimate as in come back to life? I think that's what he means. That's disturbing. And as a man of science, it upsets me that he didn't know how death works. Also, like, I don't know what the 1930s were really like. I didn't live through them. But could you imagine just being a housewife in the 30s? And you hear a little bit about this Carl guy down the street, and you're like, oh, Carl with the doll, you know, whatever, I'm not getting into that. And then all this information comes out, and you're able to go to this trial, and you're just standing there with your fellow townspeople, like, wow, this is crazy, you know? You're just, like, having, like, a a small Jersey Shore moment, you're just like, whoa, I can't believe this, man. Yeah. I don't know why I said Jersey Shore. I got the vibe you were trying to portray there, and I, I hope our listeners do too. <laughs> I I'm not I love Jersey Shore. It's incredible TV. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't. <laughs> Why did I pull that out of nowhere? <laughs> did you not? Or, like, I'm broken. Which one did you meet? The situation? No, no, fuck no. Um, I met Vinny <gasps> when I one. was yes, when I was I think. 14 almost 15 and he was super super nice and handsome <laughs> we stand he's a king shout out Vinny if you're listening Vinny Guadagnino if you ever listen to this thanks for being really nice to me we wore these shirts that said I heart Vinny they're terrible I hate it I hate it here <laughs> <laughs> so you're probably wondering what was the verdict here? You know, what does someone get for being a weirdo, grave robbing guy who mummified a whole corpse and had sex with it? Well, he was not prosecuted. The statute of limitations ran out on this crime and the court had to drop all charges against Carl Tonsler. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it's insane. I didn't know that either. I didn't know that he would. I definitely thought he went to jail and died there. I don't know why, but I definitely thought that. And how exactly does this end? Well, the body was examined by pathologists and physicians, and because it was in such a unique and interesting state, they decided to place it on a public display. Uh... Yeah, exactly. 
<sighs> so, at the Dean Lopez Funeral Home, you could take a peek at the corpse for a $1 fee. Oh, what a steal. I feel like that was a lot of money in the 30s, though. People were really doling it out to go see I their- can Google it if you want. Oh, yeah, go I for really it. like looking into that. Okay, let's see. You said, what year was this? I believe around this time, probably, okay, so she died in 31. He had her for seven years, like what, like 1939? $18.68. Wow, that's like going to the movies. <laughs> that's a really bad uh, comparison, <laughs> but yeah. Like 20 bucks, basically, to the <laughs> <laughs> So, thousands of people actually paid this fee. I believe it. Yeah, and like you just said, it wasn't a small thing. Like, it wasn't a dollar today. So, people were really, you know, interested in this. And it is estimated that a total of more than 6,000 people paid to take a gander at the corpse. So, would you? I mean, if I had it back in the day, honestly, and, like, this is, like, the whole thing, like, the 1930s means that there's no Twitter or, like, people to really, I don't know, oh, call me yeah. out, I would do it. Nowadays, though, there would be so many people coming at me saying that, like, I'm a terrible person for, you know, paying for this. And honestly, like, you think about it, it is really terrible. But in the general scheme of things back in the 30s, like you said about, you know, victim protection... I don't think they were as woke as we are now. And so 1930s Angel would definitely go see the corpse. 2020 Angel would think twice about it. Probably text Rachel, say, hey, girl, like, what do you think? Should we go? And then, like, maybe we'd plan something, but maybe not. Should I expose myself? Go for it. I think we've mentioned this before, if we haven't. Num- uh, new statement here but i'm pretty sure we've mentioned it before um i definitely have a picture of me when i was like 16 like cheesing so hard next to ted bundy's vw and it gives me cringe to this day it's the worst thing ever but also the best thing ever in a weird way because like who was i like i was i was literally 16 years old like so stoked to be next to Ted Bundy's car. And I hate that for me. Um, So I don't know whether or not I would do it. I guess like when it's the body directly, you know, when you're just next to Ted Bundy's car, I'm going to be honest, there is like that degree of separation. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you walk around to the other side of it and you see the missing passenger seat so he could fucking lay bodies flat in his car while he drove and then you're like oh yeah yikes so i think if like people i i just hope people who went also comprehended like the gravity like obviously he didn't murder her but i do think like if someone doesn't consent to being that after they're dead it's so beyond fucked up, you know? Like, if, if he had it in writing, I, this, I'm totally, like, going off on a thing here, right? But, like, if someone before they die is like, <laughs> hey, it's fine if you mummify me, and that's in writing, and that's in their will and whatever, like, cool. But obviously this was not consensual, so, like, it's just very, it's violating. 
for sure. Yeah, I think there's also the disconnect there because like you said, she wasn't murdered. I think even in the 30s, no, there, there wouldn't have been this big of a turnout if this man brutally murdered her and then mummified her. Right. I think there's the disconnect of like, oh, like she died of natural causes, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like I just mentioned with consent, it's like she did not, if she had known, I mm-hmm. she would not have wanted that. So that's where it gets me. It's like, would the person have been okay with it? Yes or no? And especially because she didn't reciprocate his feelings and it was, you know, documented that she did not feel the same way about him. And he was just creeping and being gross to her. Yeah. Yeah. So once this all ended, Elena's family took her body and then buried it into an unmarked grave so she could finally rest peacefully, which I think is nice. And in 1944, Tonsler moved to Pasco County, Florida, where he hid and lived a life of anonymity until his death in July of 1952. Wow. That's that's at least 10 years still after everything happened. That sucks. Because this was such a covered case in local media, many people formed their own opinions, and a lot of people thought that Carl was just a sad case of a love-struck, eccentric guy. Oh my god. That's so bad. It makes me wonder, like, were he must have been charming on some level, mm-hmm. and they like thought he was kooky, but not, like, sinister and a necrophile. Yeah. Again, I think like because of the time period and these people weren't woke and she wasn't murdered, that's where the disconnect comes in of like people trying to justify him being, oh, like he just loved her. Because even nowadays there are crazy people who justify what Bundy did and this, that, and the other. So I can definitely see for the time period and because he didn't actually kill her, people warping it into some weird like sad, you know, guy that was in love or whatever. Oh, 100%. It just makes me wonder the most about his upbringing because, like, I feel like there's nature versus nurture, right? Mm -hmm. And there's, like, born versus made. I feel like that has to be born and made. And then again, like, we were talking about crystal kids to bring it back to that. It makes you wonder. (laughs) It makes you wonder if during his childhood, maybe he was in. A crystal kid family perhaps and so when he had this dream maybe he was brought up in an environment that was solely like really oh yeah whatever you dream is the truth your dead relative came to you this is this is the honest to god truth you know what i'm saying versus someone who was raised like separated from that kind of mentality where it's like oh yeah that's crazy maybe it'll happen maybe it won't you know yeah they really encouraged his dream of finding a woman with dark hair so this is where karma i guess you could say comes into play because he was dead for three whole days before someone discovered his dead body (laughs) which is like nothing compared to seven years but yeah eat it carl and just a little tiny not tiny a very big dose of creepy before i wrap this up Found among his possessions was a full life-size replica doll of Elena. He reportedly made a plaster cast of her dead face, otherwise known as a death mask, and this was a part of the replica doll. Some reports state that when his dead body was found, 
he was found wrapped in the arms of the replica doll. I want to scream. Yeah. That is the worst ever. You ended the episode on a high note. (laughs) Holy hell. You would think that they would fucking confiscate that shit when he got caught. Maybe it was outside the statute of limitations, but you still confiscate that shit. (laughs) He should not be allowed to have that. I really did not like the way this ended researching this case. You know, I'm thinking, okay, he just hit out. Nobody cared anymore. But that was just a little, a really gross ending that I wasn't expecting. Hell yeah. So gross. I understand that he couldn't be prosecuted. I feel like someone back then when you think of them getting caught for something like that you're like okay they would probably be committed right Mm -hmm. and he was not he was just allowed to like do whatever sure like it was outside you couldn't send him to jail but you're telling me you couldn't send him to i don't usually advocate for people being institutionalized especially in 1930 whatever i'm sure it was not good but this dude sucks yeah i just don't i don't understand how he just got to walk free like he said i don't want anybody to be institutionalized especially in 1940 or whatever but they had they they, there had to have been something they could have done for this it's just it's more right and it's it's clear that even after all like he was caught and everything like it was a very big compulsion and either way like he needed something to help with that and i'm not i he just he needed something also it makes me wonder if there was possibly something in his childhood that isn't reported because you know like he was born in 18 i think i said 1877 so that's way way back in the day yeah, big like, time long ago. Just to have like someone kind of have this sort of, I guess you could say, psychological break where you think it's okay to steal a dead body because you think it's singing to you and you take it in a wagon and like literally everything you just listened to for the past hour, like you think that's okay. There had to have been something, you know? <laughs> like it's not just. I know the word insane is often a mental health uh, buzzword, if you will. <laughs> but, um,. No sane person. It, it it does what he does, and it's just like so wild to me that there were no like more prevalent signs. I mean, even the pe- you know a lot of people kind of saw him in plain sight operating, doing what he was doing, but it wasn't enough to put it together. It's very creepy that he was just you know in suburbia doing his shit. I also think I read something about how his estranged ex-wife was like not really bothered by this at all she just was kind of like there like yeah that happened you know i don't think they got back together i didn't really look into that but she had no real public opinion i think where it was like oh my god i can't believe my ex-husband did that or you know like his daughters being like oh i can't believe dad did that it was just like okay whatever yeah you would I would love to hear what she has to say as well. Like, even if it, she wasn't married to him for very long. Like, what? You were married to that guy? Crazy. So, do you have any more for me? Or is that all? That is all. 
please, sir, can I have some more? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. It was really terrible, and I'm going to have a nightmare about it tonight. Just kidding, but <laughs> it was very, uh, what did you call it in your notes? Mummy town? Yeah. Thanks for taking me to mummy town. That was one of my subheadings to remind me of when the mummification started. So there's that. Dope. Well, you can find us on other social media platforms if you enjoyed this episode. We are over on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at sweep and reap. And we are on Facebook if you search Sweepers and Reapers podcast. Um, we also are streaming on all platforms. So if you want to share us and your friend doesn't have the same streaming platform as you, guess what? It doesn't matter because we're on them all. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening and we hope you have an awesome time. All right. Bye.